And with that, you headed to the tavern for the night. You met some good people, and even heard a promising rumor about the castle on the ridge, but for now, it's time to head to the inn and get some rest. However, you get less than ten steps away before the familiar smell of campfire finds its way to you. That's about when the screams start. You turn around to find the tavern you were just in ablaze, and its patrons pouring out the front door. How did this fire start so damn quickly? You were inside only seconds ago. That's when, among the crowd, two small, dog-faced rock monsters with blazing eyes and small jet streams of fire periodically erupting from cracks in their stone husk. They seem to smile as they break off in separate directions, touching and immediately lighting anything even remotely flammable ablaze. They are going to burn this city down if they're not stopped. Roll for initiative. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Encounter This. What this is today is going to depend on uh, my co-host, James Lava Me Tender Kid. And I, of course, am complimenting him as we go forward. And my name, as usual, is Freeman the Magnificent Eiston. I can't believe I got that out in my first try. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to be a tough one. I, I thought about not putting the hyphen in there just to see what happened. Oh, that would have been much more difficult. <laughs> uh, this uh, creature we'll be covering is called a Magmin. And it is found in the Monster Manual, page 212. I don't know why I paused so long between that, but I did it. <laughs> 212. Enjoy. Uh, <laughs> all right, James. Uh, I, I will preface my approach in this uh, with saying that this, I think, is maybe the first creature we've covered that I, I feel like I know literally zero about. I, th- I think by the name there's fire, but otherwise I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's actually about what I went into this research with as well, is the, um, I just have a love for this 5e art. I think it's so fucking cool. It it looks like a little dog on top of a boulder's body, and it, the whole thing is on fire. It's it's fantastic. It's in the Discord for you to look at. Which one are we? Oh, the 5e art? 5e is oh, the, yeah. is the okay, bottom yeah. one. Yeah, it's got <laughs> yeah. like a little dog head. So other than really enjoying the art, I've always kind of wanted to use them, but I never took a really big look at the stat block. And after doing this episode, I really regret not having looked at the stat block earlier. I don't know what it is about like elemental stuff, specifically fire and ice, but it really, really gets me going a lot of the time. Okay. And these guys are, they're no slouch, to be honest with you. Um, They're they're not like, not going to blow you away. They're not the most insane or entertaining creatures, but they're... They're pretty neat, I think, for, for what they are. And I'm sure the listeners could use a break after November and maybe hopefully this <laughs> ends up just being like a clean 32 minutes. Cool. Yeah, let's let's run through it. Uh, speak as fast as you can from now on. Go. All right. <laughs> Sometimes they're also known as magmen. So in 5e, they're magmin, M-I-N. They're mm-hmm. also written as magmen, M-E-N. I don't know if that was to reduce... The propensity for gender? That's not the right word, propensity. Yeah. Disparity? Yeah, I think that might have been it, but I, I, 
there's obviously no information on that at all. I don't know why yeah. the change happened. It looks like the change happened after second edition, but I'm prepared to be correct on that. Okay, sure. I mean, it makes sense though. Like five E is has been, especially lately, you know, in the news. I think we we talked about it before. You know, they're making strides and and kind of changing, uh, you know stereotypes and norms even within the game world um there is an a push from wizards and, and paizo particularly you know to sort of change that that uh, paradigm and dynamic um and it's a simple fix like i you and i talked not that long ago uh, about you know uh, the the helen zaltzman episode helen zaltzman's episode on the, the illusionist um about where she talks about the origin of the, of the word man and right. how it's not actually embedded in gender but you know words change over time as she always reminds us and and um you know so it, it is now very much synonymous with that and uh, with that gender so why not push for that change to give it a little more neutrality I th- i'm totally okay with that i think that's really cool I, I agree completely. Um, I think it's a little unfortunate that in RPGs specifically, it seems to be more of a reaction um, right. than than proactive. Otherwise, it would have been done, you know, before Five E came out. <laughs> or yeah, true. Uh, but but by the same token, it's really difficult to break old habits, and and there are a lot of uh, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of nerds, especially that are uh, that are very um, traditionalist. You know, and uh, so I would say reactive uh, is not as good as proactive, but it's still better than no change at all. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm one of those nerds who's super set in their ways. I'm sure you and our <laughs> you, listeners you are, are well aware. You are a traditionalist, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I roll physical dice. I have a paper character sheet. And I, <laughs> I, I just love that shit. Uh, but back to these little fire boys they are from first second third and fifth edition so they've got they've got a little bit of a pedigree which is pretty great Mm -hmm. they are about three and a half to four feet tall they weigh about 180 kilos or 400 pounds damn yeah these are these are thick boys Mm -hmm. that's uh thick with two c's for all you millennials out there (laughs) so they're very very dense creatures they are. They are bound. They have a, they have a propensity form. for density. <laughs> they have a propensity for density. I love that. <laughs> they are bound into physical form by magical means, and their physical form is a sculpted shell of black magma, hence the magmint. Right. The shell actually keeps them from igniting anything they touch because they burn real hot inside of it. So we've got another creature who's essentially a fire elemental in a body. I'm getting an azer feel already. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there will be more connections to Azer, tenuous cool. at best, but they're out there. This uh, magma shell will harden on them if they're out of lava for too long and then makes them immobile. So kind of turns them into like a stone statue, which I thought was really neat. Okay. So that like, sort of cool off. So yeah. Not only does it prevent them from igniting things, it also helps them to retain their heat. Yes, exactly. Cool. So even when they're not actually on fire the magma skin itself radiates an intense heat enough that flames like little flame jets will erupt from their skin which is kind of what's happening in the 5e art there Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's probably pretty clear to our listeners by now that these things do not exist naturally on the material plane but they are specifically summoned creatures which we haven't dealt with a whole lot yet other than i think the yeth hound Okay, they are specifically summoned. Okay, that's pretty. Uh, that that is a rare, rare trait. Like you never see them unless unless someone's influenced their uh, uh, their life or whatever. 
Yeah. <laughs> Can't think of the word, but yeah. We'll see where the hypocrisy comes in a little bit later as, as you know, things get compounded with years and years of lore. There are obviously little things that slip through. And this is one of those, but I like the idea of them being a summoned creature. Yeah. But at their core, pun intended, they are a mischievous fire elemental spirit. So they are proper fire elementals that have been encased in this uh, magma skin. And as fire elementals, they are pretty chaotic as far as um, the elemental spectrum goes. They view any flammable object as kindling for their conflagration, which is a word that I had to look up, which just means like beautiful fire, which I thought was... Yeah, con- conflagration, yeah. Con- conflagration? <laughs> con- conflagration. Conflagration. <laughs> I, I, I know this word only because uh, we before we started recording, uh, I, I, I uh, very... Uh, very dangerously resubscribed to World of Warcraft, and uh, I know that word from that game. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, a warlock fiery spell configuration. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never, I don't mm-hmm. think I ever knew what that meant before this, and I, I, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic word. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> but because of this propensity for arson, only the control of their summoners is what keeps them from setting everything they see and can touch on fire. Sometimes they'll just shoot fire out of their fingertips just to see the flames again. They're <laughs> very, very chaotic, and and this love and admiration for fire makes them ideal for spreading calamity. So they are unpredictable yeah. and erratic, though not necessarily malicious. So like fire. Exactly, yeah. And they don't <laughs> properly understand the deadly nature of their flames being born in lava. It's kind of an right. alien concept to them that fire can hurt things. Mm. Do these things feel pain? I wonder. I'd say probably not. I don't imagine any mm. elemental feels pain so much. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair to say. Maybe in your world they do. I've never really thought about <laughs> it like that. Yeah, me either. Um, pain seems to it, to me is like reflective of a central nervous system. And I don't imagine right. a being made entirely of fire encased in rock is going to have that. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably not wrong, you know. <laughs> Just make, you know, it's the old uh the old uh, question about whether or not an insect feels pain because pain by definition is, you know, our experience through our central nervous system. An insect knows that something is wrong when their wing is plucked off or their their leg is damaged, but do they feel pain the way we do? Don't know. Right? We we honestly we honestly don't know. I don't know uh, if we'll ever know. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> There's an instinct there, right? And I'm sure elementals would experience that, you know, an instinct that something is wrong or they are about to, to be destroyed or killed. But yeah, but pain, pain by definition, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I would take the argument even further because insects are even farther removed. Like, I don't really believe these creatures would have a sense of touch. And I think I personally believe pain mm. stems from our sense of touch. Right. I don't know if there's any scientific evidence to back that up, but I don't think elementals have a sense of touch. They understand when things make contact, but... Yes and no. I, the one fun fact I'll throw in there is that, you know, when you like bang your hand on something and your instinct is to rub that area, uh, the reason for that is uh, that your uh, when you rub that area, you have different receptors in your in your central nervous system. And so when you rub it, the, the, the sensors for, for touch temporarily override the sensors for pain so like they're they're connected but not not like mutually inclusive okay you know 
Um, So it's not our sense of touch that causes pain. They are separate, but also part of the same system. So you're like not wrong, but also not right. Right. So they're in (laughs) parallel, not in series is what you're saying. Correct. Exactly. Okay. That's cool. That is your fun fact of the day. Fun fact of the day. Fun facts by Freeman. Uh, You heard it here first. Uh, another fun fact is this quote from the 5e monster manual that i really like and it's that a mob of magmans summoned inside of a castle can reduce it to a burning shell within minutes there's not really a whole lot of context for that quote but it's badass as fuck that's that's your adventure hook (laughs) like our castle melted what the hell happened (laughs) Uh, we'll go figure it out (laughs) yeah yeah why not uh, if, if there's always a castle on the hill with the creepy like old man he's probably a vampire or maybe in the crypt there's some undead no one ever no you don't ever walk into a town and go hey our castle melted what do we do <laughs> <laughs> just go with that that's yeah. a fresh new start i like it it's that that's your new tavern our castle's on fire help <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that i like that a lot yeah <laughs> Uh, and to go back to it being a summoned creature while in service to its summoned master, if it has the opportunity, it will seek out areas of great heat um, in the material plane. So like forest fires, volcanoes, like it wants to be around fire and it wants to be hot. I think it's more comfortable that way. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to seek out combat on their own. They don't really have any desire to cause physical harm because, again, they don't really understand it. But sometimes they'll set shit on fire just for fun. Sounds like a cool creature to have, like, hiding out in a really big foundry or something like that. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I just think of these guys as, like, goblins that are on fire on the inside. Yeah. Like, why not start your campaign with a bunch of these guys as opposed to, you know, a a bunch of little goblins? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's funny because you said earlier... Uh, when I, I mentioned, I was like, "Oh, getting a bit of an Azer feel." And like, "Oh yeah, we'll you know we'll we'll visit them a bit." Although uh, you know the connections are a bit tenuous. Yeah, I've been getting that vibe. We haven't covered that many fire elementals, but I've been getting that vibe from the five E fire fire elementals. And that there isn't too much. There's small connections, but you got kind of have to reach into the other editions, and it seems ripe for building on. You know, there's old lore, like old books, old uh, campaign settings for the City of Brass, but nothing in 5e for it um, that gives it tremendous detail. And it sounds like a really fun um, thing to like sort of flesh out uh, for a homebrew campaign is just get into the fire. I don't know where it was, and I'll link it in the show notes if I can find it, but I actually just recently found a really amazing map for sale for the uh, the City of Brass. Oh, no kidding. Not really related, but I was looking for, mm-hmm. for maps for a Rime of the Frostmaiden game, and I found this beautiful, beautiful map for sale of uh, the City of Brass, and it looked it looks incredible. Cool. Um, cool. But you are correct. It is the plane of fire yeah. where they are related. So these guys... Unlike Azers, they originate in the Fountains of Creation, which is also known as the Plane of Magma, which is the inner plane at the intersection of Earth and Fire. So I guess it's kind of, I don't want to say demi-plane, but like, um, well, an intersection. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, uh, it also reminds me of, of Azers and the fact that, you know, they, they lived in the mountain range that was like on the edge of the plane of fire and earth, I'm pretty sure, or something like that. So, 
Oh, if that's the case, then they they're from the same place. That that yeah, would be it was, it was something like creation. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there there was a sort of. Uh, I, I'm definitely not. That's by no means a quote to the from the episode. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm kind of uh, winging it here, but but yeah, there was a, a certain um, if I remember correctly, a certain allusion to that, and a bit of like you know, confusion and and, and nondescript reference to exactly that sort of thing. That that definitely sounds right. I I don't know why, but I was under the impression that they were actually from the city of Brass. Um, but I think they helped build it, and then they were spurred by the Afridi. Yeah, is the, that right? It, yeah, that's where they live, not where they're from. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. They helped build the city of Brass. They were created and helped build the city, and then were and were betrayed basically. But they ran away with the secret of how it was built. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, so the uh, fountain of creation is is on that intersection, uh, fire and earth. Sometimes mm. it's known as the plane of magma. It is known for its boiling earth and toxic fumes, and it is the same birthplace as the lava children, which don't actually feature in Five E until the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So I don't know um, if we'll get another monster manual um, for Fifth Edition at all. Actually, yeah. Uh, but if we do, I, I would expect to see the lava children. In them. They are fucking weird. They're like full grown yeah. babies that are you know, have like this fiery red hair and they just wear a diaper and I hate them. They make me really uncomfortable. Amazing. <laughs> I love a creature that makes makes you uncomfortable. Not you. It's just like, you know, makes one uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it's me specifically. Like, they just look like, like large Man, babies we, and I do not. If we manage to get... If we manage to get to our Pathfinder 2nd Edition Agents of Edgewatch, there is a creature in there you're going to hate. <laughs> I believe it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, James is going to be so uncomfortable with this. It's going to kill him. <laughs> and there's like six of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so good. Was, and you're like, ah. even I was like, oh, this is this is something else. This is some dark shit. It's great. <laughs> All right. I, I look forward to finally getting to that. Yeah, in, in like two years' time, probably. Yeah, if we're lucky. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> anyway, continue, uh, uh, Lava Children. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, well, that's it. We're not going to go any further on Lava okay. Children. I just, I did right. not want to, yeah, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, so since they're from this plane of fire, anything below about 540 degrees or 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit is considered cold, and they would act. that's what causes them to harden if they're away from that for more than about six hours. Whoa. So they're like solid uh, temperature is still quite high, extremely high. Yeah. Crazy. I should have looked up what temperature an active volcano is, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I'm, I, st- I still have the foundry stuck on my head, like... Them like in the these pots of like m- popping out of these pots of molten metal or something, uh, yeah, definitely, and like causing trouble and then hopping back in and getting into all that, and and they do cause trouble for sure, and we'll see that in the mm. stat block. I don't know why we know this, but there's no genders, sorry, there's no sexes, and they reproduce through division. I I honestly have no idea why that was included at all, but uh, oh. That was in the five E lore. No, this is uh, we're we're into the like the two E lore. They oh, really sorry, really sorry, featured yeah. heavily into two E. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try not to segregate my lore. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it almost makes sense that it's there when I think back on the specific, especially two E lore that I've mentioned. Uh, the stuff that comes from Elminster's ecologies and stuff, like they just suddenly give you a sentence or two of very specific information, and then move on. <laughs> you know, like. 
wood-eating horses. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's like, what? Uh, and and then it's just, that's that, you know, and it's, there it is. That was 2E two, two lore, I think, in a nutshell. They, they did awesome stuff and then some really random facts in there. Definitely. And, you know, to even take that to the next level, this one is definitely from second edition. And it's that they could pass between the planar gaps into the material plane and they would absorb different types of molten rock to a euphoric effect. So what I believe that means is they would get high on rocks from other worlds. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a really, really great a piece of lore because, oh I mean, man. TSR was killing it back in the day. Yeah, seriously. They they were they I mean, uh, they the writers were certainly underpaid back then and and worth their weight in gold. I think this would have um, been Gary. Yeah, maybe. Oh man, this, this is like that's really cool cuz like uh, because I'm already stuck in the foundry, all I can think now is how many different types of rocks and metals are in that foundry. Yeah, a whole you bunch know, of different ores and, and stuff like that. And how are these magmen acting? Just uh, the different types of kryptonite from for Superman, you know, you have a red rock and <laughs> right, you get yeah. real angry. You have a green yeah. rock and you get real lethargic. Like, mm, absolutely, I love that. That's 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 so far. That's my favorite piece. I love that. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, I, I you know, sometimes we shit on older editions, <laughs> not intentionally. Sometimes it just happens. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of the good good lore comes out of second edition and that's one of the reasons why we do this show is to look deep yeah. on this lore and really find those really great little nuggets and this is again pun intended one of those good nuggets yeah i think it's become pretty obvious we've shifted from we're doing a 5e monster show to a 5e focused monster show yeah <laughs> because it's uh we we can't help but dip into those other ones now there's just too much that's too good. Yeah, it's it's really more about the game itself and, and the history of right. Dungeons and Dragons than it is about fifth edition. Like it all stems from 5e, because 5e is my D D right. and I know 5e is your D D. Yeah. It's like, but what can we do with that that D D? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. it just like in our, our catchphrase on our website, like we're here to entertain, educate, and inspire. Yeah. And this this does it too. A lot of good 2e lore does that. Yeah. Super cool. So there's not much else out there for them. It was mentioned briefly that they played a part. It was mentioned bleep. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bleefly? <laughs> my tongue's too heavy. <laughs> it was mentioned briefly that they were part of the assault on Tribor during the shattering of the Ordning. So the Ordning oh. is the giant hierarchy, and I yeah. think... This is the inciting incident for Storm King's Thunder. Okay. Uh, I I uh, could not confirm that. I do not have a no. physical copy of Storm King's Thunder. And yeah. when I skimmed the um, the PDF that we have, yeah, legally, definitely legally, definitely um, legally, <laughs> <laughs> I could not find any that particular information. Uh, right. So who knows? Yeah, I, I I've touched a little bit here and there in my research on the ordning, but I've never dove into it because i know one day we're going to cover giants and be completely overwhelmed uh and, and in particular I've, i remember coming across the shattering of it right but, um i mean i love that i love that a creature like this has has somehow been um attached to that uh, well spoilers for storm king's thunder it's it's the fire giants who shatter the or so the ordning is just what's referred to as the social hierarchy so like yeah and they like strictly adhere to it right yeah so the shattering of that i believe was 
uh, orchestrated by the fire giants, and that's why I think mm-hmm. the magmen had a part in right. that. It's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. But I don't know. If you've played Storm King's Thunder, send us an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, call in. Lines are, lines <laughs> are open. Call. 555, you heard it here first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so that's about it for honorable mentions. There aren't any named Magmen that I could find. Okay. Um, I like Todd. Todd's a good name. If we're going to name a Magman, I think, I think I mean, Todd. Megan's, Megan's pretty good, too. Oh, Megan's really good. <laughs> it's a little on the nose, but hey, yeah, it works. I'll take it. <laughs> Todd though. <laughs> who's, Todd the Magman. Who's Todd? Todd the Magman. <laughs> so it's our next logo, folks. Get us up to the $250 Patreon and you can have Todd the Magman on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm just now now I'm now I'm trying to work with my alliteration here. And it's like I'm just imagining him trying to like put on uh sultry clothing so you can be like, Todd, you're such a Toddry Megan. Oh, okay. I was imagining him in like a sideways fullback ball cap. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh my god. And again, I like so there's not much out there about specific magmen. Um the only fun fact that I came across was the one I already posted in Discord and that there's this website called Adventure Bricks uh that will definitely be linking in the show note that produces oh, Lego man. style D D monsters. Uh D D really Pathfinder, cool. they do gear and terrain as well. You can build your own PC and NPC. Um I definitely was real close to ordering the owlbear and the displacer beast. Uh but I posted the <laughs> uh the Magman one in uh in the Discord and it's it's fucking magical like it doesn't look like a magnet at all but i love it so yeah much. <laughs> it's really yeah it really doesn't at all but it's it's still it's still really great i actually love it yeah i thought it was like homemade when i first looked at it and you know i, I guess these people over at adventure bricks have the license so i mean good oh, for cool. them yeah that's really cool <laughs> yeah, right. beast without the D license <laughs> I just, I just double, I just looked at the owl bear, and now looking at the displacer beast, they look amazing. Yeah, I love that. The <laughs> owl bear so looks kind of cool. janky, but the displacer beast looks dope. <laughs> Adventurebricks.com. Throw them some some support. That's so so cool. So after that uh, minimal D and D lore, we also have a little bit of minimal cultural lore. And again, it's it's all kind of tenuous at best. I was really grasping at straws for this. It it's fair to just say that ahead of time. The first creature we're going to talk about is the Shirufe, which is okay. a large man-eating creature from Mapuche mythology, <laughs> which is an indigenous culture of South Central Chile. You had you had to go back to South America, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So my sister lives in Chile. Oh, no kidding. And I really thought that I could just reach out to her and get these pronunciations. Uh, but she speaks less Spanish than I do, and she's lived there for three years. And I don't speak any Spanish, so. Ama- <laughs> Amazing. She speaks negative Spanish? She speaks negative Spanish. She's learning That's French bad. or German or something while she's down there. Like, she's anyway. doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, I, she doesn't listen to this, so it's okay. We can just keep that in. <laughs> um, but Mapuche is uh, the Incan religion. Um, so that's what that whole wheel is oh, okay. named after. Yeah, yeah. So what about this Sharufe? Sharufe, possibly, <laughs> probably. Sharufe <laughs> is a huge <laughs> creature made of rock crystals and magma. So it's kind of relevant. It's mm-hmm. in in Mapuche lore. It is the source of earthquake and volcano eruptions, and it yeah. is said to be the source of the 
Kalku's Ardent Stone. So a Kalku is like a, a witch or a sorcerer, but they're not specifically evil. There's another term for the evil ones that I didn't write down. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, ardent was also a word I didn't know the definition of before we started this, and that's burning or glowing. Yeah, I, I literally just uh, <laughs> I just quickly Googled it. Um just to double check, because I've heard, I again, I've heard the word, and again, I've heard the word from World of Warcraft. Oh, yeah. Um, and because they have a, there's a faction, like a, pa- a paladinic faction in it, uh, known as the Ardent Crusade, I believe it's called. Gotcha. Um, but so I, just, it, I just Googled the definition, and that burning, glowing definition is, is considered archaic. Yeah, so the modern day definition is like a passionate or intense yeah. Um, enthusiastic I see here yeah that's that's a good one too uh Mm -hmm. but because this is an archaic lore i assumed that it is the archaic definition of ardent i like the archaic definition better because there are a lot of words for passionate now right Um, we don't have a whole lot of words that mean like glowing or iridescent yeah, uh, on the inverse, I, I sort of I just like, oh, you have a very glowing personality, and that that to me sounds like you know very enthusiastic or you know uh, energetic. If For sure, so yeah, it uh, makes sense that they've crossed paths in that way. Yeah, I don't think telling somebody they had an ardent personality would specifically <laughs> be received well, but yeah, it just wouldn't make sense. You'd be met with confusion, I think. Yeah, probably. But the other creature we have is the Lampod. I th- think that's how that's pronounced. They're a Lampad. Sp- Lampad. Lampad. Launchpad. Yeah, Launchpad McQuack. <laughs> <laughs> they are nymphs of Greek mythology, companions to Hecate, the goddess of witchcraft. They're not actually rock monsters at all, but they were a gift from Zeus to Hecate for her support during the Titanomachy, which is also an excellent, excellent word. <laughs> That is that's a great one. Titanomachy. Yeah. Uh, but they bear torches and light, which are said to drive people insane. And the Roman name Avernales uh, translates to infernal nymphs, which we'll actually touch on more in the Mephits episode. But when I researched like fire and lava monsters, these were the two that really stood out to me. And it's it's that okay. these, the, the Lampod, they're a little more chaotic than like the Shurufe. The Shurufe is a summoned, not necessarily a summoned creature, but you know ha- has this relationship to this ancient sorcerer as well as the the volcanoes and the magma and the Lampod are like these little mm. chaotic magical beings. So I thought maybe magmen are kind of a combination of these two. But the more I read about the Lampod, the more they seem to be rena- related to Avernales, which are essentially just methods. Right. Okay, cool. And I did not know that Avernales, uh, which is probably almost 100% the root word for Avernus, is the Roman oh, word for infernal. First thing I thought of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love that word, though. Mm-hmm. These things appear, like magma creatures appear fucking everywhere in pop culture. There's a magma golem in, in Pathfinder. There's a magma monster in Samurai Jack, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Apparently, there's... I'm going to get shit on for this um, because I don't actually know. I've never played a minute of it in my life, and it's probably the most popular game of all time. Um, There's a magma or lava monster in Minecraft, apparently. Oh, is there? I mean, there's, yeah, there's actually quite a few iconic creatures in that game. You might be surprised to find out. But uh, 
I did know there was a, a lava based one. That might be relatively new. I've played I've played some Minecraft, but but anyway. Yeah. So I didn't. I I mean I Googled it and I tried to dig deep, but it's just it's so prevalent that mm-hmm. it was really hard to pin down an origin for it would uh, i have a i have a little bonus one for you i think here um in our starfinder campaign in, in the very first book very first adventure we played there was a creature that it was like bonus creature in the uh sort of uh bestiary or what they call alien archives um that uh, it wasn't in the adventure but it was it was given as, as a possible option and it's really cool it's called a thermatrod you have my attention I'm going to send you a picture real quick. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, nifty, eh? Uh, really, really cool creature. Oh, it's like a CR3 in there. But at the, at the point that I could have introduced it, if I wanted to homebrew a bit, um, uh, it would have kicked your ass. <laughs> it was, oh, yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's got like a, it's got a melting aura and a slag barrage. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, it's like this big, hulking, like smoldering magma boulder creature that's puking lava in its mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's Imagine amazing. you took a rock golem and put a lava-filled anus instead of a head on it. And that's what this thing does. <laughs> like, 100% that. <laughs> he looks drunk. <laughs> yeah, he does look drunk. <laughs> All right. Well... Enough of that fire and a little more of this fire. That's what the kids are saying these days, right? Fire. Um, that it, that shit's fire. That sh- that shit's on f- on flames. That f- that that's some conflagration <laughs> shit. We are so old now. Oh, I'm conflagrating all frame? night long. <laughs> What's that? What am TikTok? What what? What am TikTok? What uh, am the point of TikTok, more importantly? <laughs> oh, it's to replace Vine. Vine was uh, I know why, well, yeah, I knew that. Which I don't get. Like, Vine died. Why, why do we want it back? I don't, I don't get know. It. I don't know. <laughs> you know what we do want more of? Delicious, mm. delicious blackmail Northwest milk stout. It's a good time, is what it is. Mechanics. How do these little fireballs work? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> so they're, they're a Sierra one half, so they're like a chill little campaign starter yeah nine hp so you know one hit one kill 14 okay. ac natural armor which is kind of in line with rock formations in D, so you know respect mm-hmm. they are small creatures which i don't know what's going on with me lately but i'm really into small things and like little creatures and stuff mm-hmm. uh, they're elementals <laughs> chaotic mm-hmm. neutral which again is pretty well reflected in the lore they only speak Ignan because they're from the plane of fire and they're too busy setting shit on fire to learn common. <laughs> they have damage immunity to fire, which solid. Mm-hmm. And they have damage resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, non-magical, which I like. I really like that. So that essentially gives them a working hit points of 18 at Sierra one half. Great. Right. True. Yeah. True story. Also ties into what we were talking about, pain, <laughs> reception and that sort of thing. You know? Yeah, it does. I never even they thought about don't. that. Yeah. yeah, they don't they don't register it. Like it's literally about the 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 genuine damage, not the toll that it takes. Oh, right? I like that so much better now. Good call, man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I never even thought about damage reduction like that, but I mean, fuck, I'm into that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. It's what you don't feel. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. 
The only thing that really threw me through a loop on this stat block was Dark Vision 60 feet. Uh, okay. We'll see why like that is actually does make sense um, when we mm-hmm. get into their abilities in a second. But when I was initially reading the stat block, I was like, this creature is literally on fire. How often is it going to need to see in the dark? Well, let right. me tell you. <laughs> One of their abilities is ignited illumination. So as a bonus action, a magman can set itself on fire or douse itself. When it's on fire, it sheds bright light 10 feet and then dim light it under 10 feet. So they're essentially a torch when they're on fire. Um, right. They cannot be on fire and not shed that light, which I thought was really interesting and really specific. Like, I don't yeah. really understand that other than to give them kind of a stealth thing. But I feel like in, in proper darkness, I would no matter what give them a, the tiniest glow, you know? So you would see... You know, with a good perception check, a, a proper, like, you know, glowing uh, outline of, like, you know, magma, you know, that's sort of cooling off. And it would be a confusing thing to look at. You know, you wouldn't see the shape of the creature. But I would definitely give, uh, constantly give them some kind of glow. Yeah, absolutely. And I like this ability specifically for the fact that it gives me the opportunity to bring this up, which I don't get nearly as much as I would like. So I'm going to take you down a uh, uh, memory lane for a second here, and it's not technically related, but I think I think you'll see how it is by the time we get there. So I don't know if you listen to the radio a lot when you were a kid, but I, I used to listen to it a lot. Um, it was how I fell asleep at night. Like I didn't have a cassette player or a compact disc player in my room or anything like that. I would fall asleep listening to music on the radio. Mm-hmm. And in the the late 90s, there was this radio commercial for Doritos... Um, nacho cheese chips that featured characters from Marvel. It was Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, and the Human Torch. (laughs) They were all sitting around and talking for, I I think the premise might have been they were at a poker game or something, but I don't really remember the premise. But the joke is, uh, Spider-Man is like, so Human Torch, what's your deal? I've got my spider sense, my spider strength. You know, uh, Iron Man's really smart. The Hulk gets big and green. What about you? You, You just... To set yourself on fire. Ooh, <laughs> drop the gun or I'll set myself on fire. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It's been like 20 years since that commercial was on the air, but it still cracks me up just thinking about it every fucking Just giving time. each other, give, just giving them shit. Yeah, oh, that's so good. <laughs> so anytime a creature sets itself on fire, all I can think of is this voice actor going, ooh, drop the gun or I'll set myself on fire. <laughs> That's so good. I'm going to try and find it and link it in the show notes because it makes me so happy. (laughs) Probably not relevant, but I love that. I love that commercial. Uh, No, that's a a good little piece of uh, cultural lore. (laughs) (laughs) There's your cultural lore. (laughs) I guess that brings us to my favorite part of the stat block. I love this mechanic whenever it comes up. And it is an ability called Death Burst. When a magman dies, every creature in 10 feet rolls a dexterity saving throw. So it is DC 11, or 2D6 fire damage, half damage on a success. For a CR one half creature, 1 6 damage just happens when it dies is pretty big. Uh, also, it just ignites flammable objects that are not being worn or carried, which is amazing 
Mm-hmm. Like I love it when things have death bursts or death throws or something like that. And the first time your players encounter it, it's it's game changing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, combine that, like it's DC 11's low. Almost anyone can make that very likely, you know? But, but it's still 1d6 of fire damage. If you succeed, it's still 1d6 on top of uh, whatever other damage uh, that he does, we'll get to. Um, but combine that with your realization that with DR, um, it's got an effective HP of 18, especially if you have a martial forward party. So this one half could easily be also considered a, a one or or maybe even a two, uh, depending on your party makeup. Definitely. And it also doesn't have a vulnerability to cold, which I think it should have based on the lore. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially since the lore reflects the fact that they harden when their temperature drops. Yeah, exactly. And I would say like most cold you're going to encounter, especially a low level, is going to be uh, magical cold. Uh, Almost exclusively, yeah. Yeah, which I more or less mostly assume that if it's a magical element, it's a little bit more intense. And so, yeah, that I, I would I would give you that too. Uh, definitely a vulnerability to cold is for sure. So, like these things, these things punch up is is essentially mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. And it only has one attack. It's a touch attack. It's plus four to hit, five foot reach, but it's also two d six fire. If the target oh, is a creature, any flammable object on the target ignites. Creature then will take one d six fire damage at the end of each subsequent turn until it takes one action to douse the flames. Okay, so it, has, it does have the potential to douse it before taking any of that any of that on-fire damage. Definitely, uh, but you're still taking 2d6 if you're within 5 feet, and then you're taking at minimum another 1d6 when this thing dies. Yep, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> ah, man, that's, uh, this creature is not a half. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not uh, a half. Again, I think we come back to the fact that its hit points are nine, but yeah. like this thing really punches up. It's easily made more powerful just by raising the hit points. That's it. That's all you need to do. For sure. And uh, makes it more deadly. Yeah. You don't have to change much. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah, so I, I kind of really fell in love with these guys, mechanically at least. Um, I like the mm-hmm. lore a lot, and there's another piece of lore that I want to touch on now uh, because i don't really feel like it ever um <laughs> came up in the it wasn't necessary to include in the D lore or the cultural lore sure um there's a there's this society column on uh forgotten realms and one of the lines in it it's just like this weird little throwaway line uh and it is more wicked summoners would attempt to cool them and turn them into statues and sell them and sell <laughs> them sell them yeah so they would just take these magmen <laughs> Let them cool into stone statues and then try and sell them as statues. <laughs> oh my god! I'm not. I'm actually like. It's just this bullshit throwaway line in the middle of we, this whole society paragraph. <laughs> do we know what the what the constant temperature of the city of brass is? Uh, we do not. I mean, I assume the the fire plane in general is extraordinary, but we also know that. The city brass houses and, and brings people through that are from other planes regularly. Like they have a bazaar that's like famous. Yep. Right. And now I'm, I'm just imagining like shop stalls in this bazaar of like solidified magmen for sale. Yeah. Or like you go to Waterdeep <laughs> or like, and you can just buy a statue of a magmen for, you know, like a hundred yeah. gold pieces. 
Or imagine, imagine if like the one place the city bazaar that's cold is because like there's a it's a delicacy. It's it's like the it's like the bullshit rhino horn nonsense that happens in areas of our world. <laughs> Crumbled where, magma like, you know, to to fix your ED. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Instead, what they what they have is a, uh, they have like a magically cold uh, like refrigerator room where they keep frozen <laughs> frozen magmen. It's the so only cold good. place in the city of brass. <laughs> That's and awesome. the, you walk into this cold room and, and they break it down and, and you know in front of you or something and turn it into a powder. <laughs> something ridiculous. I mean I like it. I I actually really like that. I think that could be a really cool like mechanic is like you've got this dust of magmen and when you when you blow out the bag it reconstitutes into this stone statue and then immediately sets itself on fire unless you drop the gun <laughs> or they have uh, uh the magmen that are in this like magically uh cooled area uh they have different ones that are solidified and the seller claims that uh the, oh this one here ate this rock and experienced this euphoric uh, experience and that will pass on to you if you snort that dust or some <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> hey, you want to snort some magman? <laughs> exactly. Ah, uh, this one was this one was all over that igne- igneous rock. Oh, you want you don't want to believe? <laughs> I, I like it. I like that magman is the new designer drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucked up. <laughs> Uh, the city of the city of brass, man. It's a weird place. I don't even think we should be allowed to do this show anymore. <laughs> We're just no ruining way, Dungeons and Dragons. This is great. <laughs> nah, man. More more real life reflections. It's it's just it's more immersive that way. You can have that, Jeremy. <laughs> just Magman, the new designer drug. <laughs> uh, you put it into your uh, when you finally create some Starjammer content. Just throw it in there. So with all that said and done. Where do you think these guys fall into your world, or do you have any homebrew ideas? Like, would you change anything about them? Uh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm so stuck in the foundry. There's nothing wrong with that. I love a foundry as a setting. Yeah, all the laughs in the world about the, uh, you know, the euphoric uh, drug use. Uh, I would not not use that, hundred <laughs> percent. But I think, uh, yeah, um, and I'm not gonna lie, I, I feel like. I feel like this is sitting somewhere in my uh, in Freeman's fictional Knoll campaign. <laughs> um, the Foundry, which uh, honestly I haven't been able to get in my head <laughs> since since November. Um, I haven't written anything. I have not written a single thing down. But I, I have actually already thought of uh, the uh, the sort of. Uh, I feel, I feel like I always use the word MacGuffin wrong, but I, I've thought of the sort of world appropriate like twist, um, central tension, and yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I've already uh, decided on uh, uh, what the big secret is to the world uh, that exists because I think the world would be quite small. So MacGuffin um, is central to the plot, so I think you may be right. using it wrong in this particular case. Oh uh, yeah, okay, maybe it half fits then. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've already come up with a, a basic idea of, of um, uh, surrounding the fact that the, the world is quite small, um, uh, Icelandic small, or you know, sort uh, Icelandic is that a word? Um, <laughs> you know, like like uh, I, I get a little bit inspired by by our friend Carl's uh, idea for his homebrew campaign for Pathfinder Second Edition, in that like you know you are from a small island about the size of 
or uh, New Zealand. I say small island. L- very, very large set of islands. <laughs> um, <laughs> but essentially, we have a general yeah, idea of how big New Zealand is. <laughs> yeah, something something about the size of New Zealand, and you know, maybe maybe bigger than that. But um, I, I have an idea surrounding that, and uh, and I hadn't thought too much about uh, this sort of culture on that island or on that on that continent or whatever it is uh, just yet. But suddenly, I'm I'm thrust with ideas of like. Dwarven forges and foundries, and these creatures uh, sort of being a little um, what's the word? Uh, was it? They they cause trouble, little troublemakers uh, amongst those uh, areas. Okay, oh, yeah, I like that. I like that this this is becoming just an outlet for <laughs> you to design a campaign. To be honest, uh, you, you always uh, in my world, and and uh, you ask, you always ask me about you know how does this fit in your world, and I feel bad not asking you. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, but like, it's been so long since I did any work on what what, what would have been my original uh, sort of five E Dungeons and Dragons campaign when we first got into these, and I, honestly, I think I've abandoned it. I think I'm over it. I think I, I think I would strip pieces from it to create something new. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and but I I don't think I have a definitive world anymore. I feel like I feel like as we're doing this, I'm slowly building a new one. But but I have but I haven't written anything down. So. Okay. Well, hopefully you get <laughs> yeah. to the point where you do write write it down and. Yeah, I think I think I probably will. I think I probably will. Well, I I, I also feel like I have to uh, get out of my system. Pl- I, I've become properly addicted to to running pre-written adventures at this point since since starting uh, doing that. They're actually pretty good. I, re- I really enjoy doing it, yeah. I'm really liking Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. It's the only D&D game that I think I will ever run that's pre-written. Um, yeah. 5e anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really... it's as bad as it is cuz it is it is bad like all 5e adventures are written for introductory dms and a lot of the stuff just yeah. doesn't make any sense at all um i'm really enjoying rewriting it because the the plot lines underneath are really solid cool yeah yeah it makes me want to do uh I think in the previous episode we we joked about me running Curse of Strahd, but to be honest, I think I would end up running Dungeon of the Mad Mage, uh, oh, a dungeon dive that uh, ha- gives you wiggle room. I've never never read anything about it, but I I would assume with a dungeon dive that has all these layers, these levels, and like we keep touching on it here and there. We never know when it's going to happen, but there's always a reference to it. And it seems to be like an all encompassing dungeon dive. And I really love that. And that to me spells wiggle room for creating a personal story. Right. And uh, yeah, I I think if I'm going to run a pre-written 5e, I think that's the one I would do. And bonus, it starts at level five. So I would really like you to run White Plume Mountain. Um, What is it? It's called White Plume Mountain. It's from Tales of the Yawning Portal. It's like their... It's like their insane funhouse dungeon. And I don't know what it is about you as a person or you as a GM or you as a creative, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I see you being like the perfect dungeon master for a funhouse dungeon. Okay. (laughs) I I think you could pull it off like nobody's business. Like I see myself as a very serious, dark DM. Mm -hmm. Um, As much as I don't get super dark, I love rewriting that dark stuff. And I I know I'm a very serious DM. Um, Mm -hmm. As funny and silly as I can be sometimes, the plots that I like running are very, very serious. But the flexibility 
and the uh, creativity required to run a funhouse dungeon, I think you would just kill. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll, I'll look into it. I've, I've, I've not looked in at anything related to the Tales of the Yawning Morning either. So. Okay. Yeah, it's it goes way back. It's like their Emerald Spire. Yeah, I'll look into it. That sounds like so, sounds like it's right up my alley, according to you. <laughs> I don't know if it's up your alley. Like you as a yeah. as like a prepper, probably not. But yeah, okay. Just your style of GMing, I think, would just mm-hmm. I would not want to play through a funhouse dungeon if you weren't DM. Sick. Okay. Cool. I will. If you want to have me in your funhouse dungeon game, I will fucking play it. <laughs> Salt. But I think <laughs> I think you would be the best DM. Yeah. Well, what about your world? Were these Megmin Megmin fit? Um, you know, I honestly haven't given it a whole lot of thought just because I've always looked at these creatures and I've always thought they looked really cool, but I've always immediately looked at that CR one half and just kind of brushed them off. Mm-hmm. Now that we've had some real time to talk about them, I, I love summoners. Um, I think, you know, that mm-hmm. I've played a summoner in our Pathfinder game. I love the idea of just bringing the pieces that you need to the game. And I think like a really solid summoner in 5e would be a fantastic villain eventually for one of my campaigns and using a combination of magmen as like their foot soldiers and gargoyles as kind of like their brutes i think they would be a really good first to third level kind of villain Mm mm-hmm Magmen specifically don't have a place in my world because I haven't explored multiple planes as much as I should or would like to, uh, specifically the inner planes, you know, like the planes of fire, earth, wind, and water. <laughs> but just looking at these creatures, just reading about them, this this chaotic, evil nature, I think maybe it's this sorcerer. Sorcerer is not the right word. Um, this summoner who's been spurned by a village or something is just sending these magmen in to create chaos but for an overarching purpose while these magmen are there burning down the village these gargoyles are perched atop watching what happens learning about his victims and about his enemies and taking that information and then using it in the eventual combat and giving him like a whole bunch of summon animal spells or summon demon spells or that kind of stuff Really, essentially building a uh, a villain as the an unchained summoner in Pathfinder First Edition. Right, I think that's how I, I would probably use them because I really like this summoning, like bringing like a couple of a couple of my friends and I are talking about starting up a Frostgrave thing on Roll Twenty until we can get back into the meat space. Um, mm-hmm. And even there, I want to play a summoner. <laughs> like I just like the idea of just not having anything. And then dealing the cards that I need to when I, when I need to. Right. Have you ever explored the idea of, you know, doing a homebrew class as a summoner in 5e or something um, like that? I've like- touched on it briefly. Uh, I find classes very intimidating. Mm-hmm. I would like to. Um, I, I would like to do... I would like to do everything for 5e. So when, when I look at 5e, <laughs> I just... I do not see a game that captures my interest as a creator more as a player. I prefer Pathfinder in both editions, but Mm -hmm. as a creator fifth edition is, is my playground. And I know I've said this before and it's come out as a Patreon bonus episode and all that stuff, but like I'm going to write a fifth edition campaign. 
I'm yeah. going to publish a fifth edition starting adventure with character sheets <laughs> and character designs and stuff like that. And the character designs are already being worked on. I've already prepaid for them. Um, thank you, Jacqueline, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> her art is fantastic. It's that goblin campaign I ran you guys through. That's going to get yeah. published. I'm going to publish a 5e screen through Encounter This. I'm going to to publish an adventure at some point so at some point yeah i'm gonna publish a class because i just do not yeah. see any other rpg that i've come in contact with as much of a blank slate that fits what i want out of an event uh, out of a system and mm-hmm. out of a campaign or um locale as much as i do fifth edition like it's really hardcore mid to high fantasy in just this perfect sweet spot for me where everything is kind of on the table that i want to be on the table so yeah, eventually, yeah, I'll I'll get to a class, and I think Summoner is probably going to be that class. But I'm just I'm yeah. not ready to tackle that. I would like to get some other publishing under my belt, other than the little adventures we've done. Those are great, sure. but I want to yeah. do something more and bigger and better. And you know me, I'm always trying to. It's always going to be something bigger and better and different. So. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. But what about you, listeners? How would you use? magmen in your world in your story do you see them as fire little goblins do you see them as the minions of the big bad of the first part of the campaign do you see them as scalable that we didn't even touch on because there's definitely some scalability here let us know at info at encounter or on twitter at EncounterPod or facebook.com backslash EncounterPod, instagram.com slash encounter dot pod i don't i don't really understand instagram i imagine you could send us a text message a, a text based message they have, they have not DMs, an msn I, I think. Uh, yeah slide sure in, slide into our dms on the instagram <laughs> uh if you want to know more you want to look at the show notes and and hunt down any of those things we've talked about including adventure bricks or i'm going to try and find that uh sweet sweet doritos commercials from the late 90s uh, you can find that and all of our backlog of show notes at encounterthis.ca if you like this and i mean like really really like this and you've got a little bit of extra cash to spare and you want to help us keep the lights on because that's at this point legitimately what you'd be doing for five dollars you would get a handwritten thank you letter $10 you could suggest a creature like our last suite the November from a Mr. C. Chesney one of our Patreons and you can find all that information at patreon.com backslash encounter this we've got some other tiers there if you want to play in a game with us um, there's a $100 tier that I legitimately don't even remember what's on it but I know it's fucking rad because we felt it was worth $100 <laughs> which is a lot of money but if you just want to help us out and do the absolute bare minimum, please rate and review on the Apple Store, uh, iTunes, or whatever it's called now. That really helps us with placement, helps us with visibility specifically. But the best thing you can do, as with this show, as with all of the media consumed, as with everything you love, is to tell somebody about it. Somebody who doesn't know, somebody who's a new dungeon master, somebody who's an old dungeon master, somebody who likes creatures, somebody who likes mythology. Literally anybody who will listen, letting them know about us is the best way for us to grow and spread and become the huge juggernaut that Encounter This can and should be. And if you want to see that summoner class, that's the best way to do it. Get us to $1,000 on Patreon a month and I will (laughs) make that summoner class for 5e. I'm 
Saying it here and peer saying review it, it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But thank you so, so much for listening. It It's because of you guys that we get to keep on doing this. And I'm sure it's clear by now that we have a fucking riot doing this. So thank you. And thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, Freeman. No, thank you. <laughs> and I guess we'll see you in the next one. This is our <laughs> second last episode for the year of the dumpster fire known as 2020. And the next one, I think. Yeah, we're taking we're uh, we're taking a. It's gonna be a very chill one. Uh, we're take we are taking an extra week off. I think uh, this is the point to announce that I believe over the holidays. Um, just one extra week, and our next episode will be coming in straight on December thirty first. Uh, so right at the very end of the year to top the year off with a real chill, casual episode. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a little moment to uh, regain our energy with the remote recording and the and all of our other projects and and the whole COVID nonsense. Right, and I think it's gonna be a little bit of a larger episode too. Yeah, I think the the casual thing will turn it uh, also turn into large, especially the topic at hand. We will not reveal just yet, but uh, it is a Patreon subscriber request, uh, and uh, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be pretty goofy and fun. I'm <laughs> so, hoping so. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a very very uh, unexpected request. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that'd uh, be good. So in three weeks time, uh, we'll, we'll come right back and then we'll get ourselves ready for 2021. Yes, absolutely. And we will see you in a few weeks, listeners. So long, friends. <laughs>